I've, I've been thinking lately about a, a topic, thinking and listening and reading about a topic that uh, it sounds real compelling. You know, I've, I've always been a real strong uh, supporter for, for years and years of, of formal education, you know, uh, in the academics. And but what's come up lately is that there's a lot of people are spending so much time and money and getting such burdensome debt going to colleges that the, the trade schools. The, you know the the training schools for 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 trades and and skills are really starting to to be a great option for a lot uh, a lot of folks and the most compelling thing i heard recently was this young lady that rather than going to college uh, and she was a, a good student in high school and actually uh, her, everyone all of her family and friends thought she would go to college because she was such a good student that she chose not to she decided she wanted to do something different and so she went to trade school and learn to be a welder. And so she's, you know, an attractive young lady, mid to late 20s. You look at her, it would not be the person you would expect to put on a, a welding hood and gloves <laughs> and, and fire up the, the acetylene torch. Uh, but sure enough, she does. And she works for uh, a NASCAR, I think one of the NASCAR teams or the NASCAR companies. Uh, doing some body work and, and things there, as well as doing other work on the side. Interrupt you just for a second. That sounds like a commercial, you know, like you see, like, oh, like it's like this really slow, like driving music. And then like you see the welding on the car and the sparks <laughs> flying and then it pulls back and pull off the, the mask and it's a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, she's blonde. So she's, she fits the prototype. Right, you know, you know like, like bust the stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 she has, and that was the 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 interview I heard uh, of her. Uh, actually, that was one of the main topics. Was that she was uh, you know busting the stereotypes, yeah. you know, not the the kind of person, the the look that you would expect for someone to go into that profession. Sure. But she loves it. And the key thing she said, the guy that was interviewing her asks, is well, how much debt did you incur going to school? Zero. She has zero debt. And so as soon as she finished her education, went to work, I mean, she was able to live independently. She's got her own place. She's got her own, you know, vehicle, her automobile. She has no debt and she's living life and she's happier than I would imagine than the majority of people that get out of college with a hundred or 150,000, $200,000 in, in, uh, in debt that they probably have no hopes of ever paying off, uh, you know, because they're going to come out and make you know, a living. And like most people making a living, there's not a whole lot left over. So they'll give the, uh, either they'll default in some cases, I think that's what happens, or they'll just pay the, the bare minimum just to keep the, keep the interest covered. And that debt just stays there in, in perpetuity. Well, you can't, you can't, so, well, you can't bankrupt on, um, education so loans. That was right. a, a thing that got passed when, I don't know when, but in, anyway, so that's, that's the only kind of loan that you can't declare bankruptcy by. But you, but you can't default. I mean, that's the, well, I mean, if I you mean, didn't get the money, you get the away. money, <laughs> right? The debt won't go away, but, uh, I mean, excuse me, the debt won't go away, but I mean, if a person doesn't pay for it, then I mean, right. that's, that's one of those things that I, uh, I'm not sure how, uh, ferociously they, they pursue. I'm sure, well, I'm sure to some months. degree, you know, wage garnishment, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but the key thing that, that, that did, you know, that, article uh, or the interview that I listened to and some other articles supporting that, that I, that I've read and, and other things that are related to it. Um, it's a real compelling cause right now, especially in today's market, there's a, a, a big, big, uh, deficit in available skilled people in the trades. Right. Right. And, and we all know, you know, the, the law of supply and demand, when you don't have that, then their wages are going to go up trying to attract people to come and, and do that. So that becomes a, uh, a, a very lucrative, potentially lucrative uh, career uh, option for, for people to consider. 
And I think some people are doing that. I mean, they're, they're seeing that and they're going back after they, maybe they've done a university education, college, university, they're going back and getting the trades. Um, and that reminds me of, uh, uh, I'm going to age myself here just a little bit. <laughs> I date myself back in the seventies when I was in high school, um, there was a, a discussion going around that, that some European countries, I think it was Germany and maybe Sweden and there may have been some others that there was discussion that the uh, bureaucrats, the, the education leaders were beginning to try to dictate and determine whether students in high school should go, should get to go to college or not. And, and if you weren't selected to go, you couldn't go no matter what you wanted to do or whether or not you would go to trade school and learn to trade. And, and, and while that in and of itself probably had good motives behind it, at the time it was one where uh, it really didn't set well with me because I'm a firm believer in the freedom of choice, right? Or something like that. And circumstances will, will dictate, right? I and mean, if you, if you, I don't care how much you want to be uh, an NBA basketball player, if you don't have <laughs> the skills, you can't do it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. or you know, major league baseball player or you know, a soccer well, player. But even whatever. aside from that, the, the the thing is though, that's that's almost. Uh, I I know your point. I just want to dig in a little bit here. Um, sure. It's almost not comparable because those sorts of things you have a, have to have a certain level set of physicality, and then on top of it, there has to be other stuff. Um, I think that education is a little different because a lot of people, certainly not everybody, and I know that there are people that the, this argument, the sports star athlete, whatever argument goes for education as well, but most people can push themselves beyond their current limits on their ability to learn things most people just i think don't um don't get me wrong there's lots of people who just who can't for lots of different reasons whether you know it's just uh uh, their iq is too low and that was just you know kind of how they were the 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 lot they were given when they were born um if it was if it's you know they just don't have time to push into things um but i think the um the having that opportunity if one has a strong enough desire, there's, you know, history is replete with examples. And I know that's, you can say it's anecdotal, but it's like at some point a, a mountain or a tsunami of a, 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 anecdotal evidence becomes something more than just anecdotes um, of people who, you know, terrible students, uh, you'll, ne- you'll never amount to anything. And then they really get desirous of something. I mean, Einstein is one such example, if none others. Um, and that, you know, you, actually make something of themselves through academia or at least enough to, to learn something to start to apply to uh, things in, in, in the business world or some other way in the real world. Um, so I, I think that uh, I, I'm with you on that, that choice thing, because I, I think that um, we need to have that experience with life, not just things like the market, but even br- broader than that life that uh, can show us, okay, well, is this decision that I made good or bad? then take that information to adjust to make another decision. And it requires you to have that freedom to decide to be able to do that. Cause otherwise you can always blame, Oh, this system made me go this way. And it's because of that system that not, not, not my own responsibility. Right. And that's a, to me, that's, that's, ju- that's the equal part of that freedom of choice thing is the, the sure. taking on the responsibility. Right. You know, and, and the, the whole thing is, is it's one thing if you choose a path and that path doesn't present opportunities to you, right? Yeah. Uh, but but it's it's your choice to, to have gone down that path. And then to your point, you you learn what you learn, hopefully, and then you apply that for the next path that you take or the next step that you that you make and and, right. and proceed and, and progress. 
Um, anyway, I, I think this is, it's a case of where, um, history, the, the market quote unquote market, I don't mean the financial markets, but I mean, you know, the, the whole thing about colleges because colleges and universities, I think are, uh, getting themselves into a spot where they're going to have to compete for their customers. Sure. Right. Um, and, and so they're, and they're also going to have to compete and, and they're, they're, they wouldn't, no one, I don't think any educator, professional educator would ever call it competing, but, it, but it is, they're going to have to compete for, you know, the, the trade, you know, against the trade schools for, for the same students. Oh, I think and they're going to call have it to do some things. The, the, the new president of the, uh, local university, um, actually they, they, he just was hired just this week and, uh, they, he was interviewed with the local a business paper. And I, I read the interview and one of the things that he said, uh, about education, it was one of the most insightful things I've heard from a, from a, uh, an educator, uh, in a long, long time. He says, we have to, he says a college education has to be attainable, uh, not attainable. What was the word he used? I'm trying to, uh, it was on the tip of my tongue and, and I started Uh-oh. telling it, it left me. <laughs> um, it has to be, you know, uh, attainable. That's not the word he used, but it's where you can you can get it right. You can uh, have access to it. Accessible. That's what it, okay. it must be accessible. And and what he was alluding to is that tuition increases because you know they got a bigger, finer campus and they're this multi-million dollar you know building program and expansion and all these things. They come on the backs of their customers, just like any cost of any organization. It right. gets passed down to the to the customers and the consumers. Right. And and he was pushing back and saying that that universities have to stop that because that makes that's that awesome. Makes edu- uh, edu- it is, and it's great for, for him to. He was not been a university president before. He's been like a second in command yeah. uh, at a, at another major university uh, in the southeast. Um, and so he's he's really got a, a, a perspective that I think is going to be serving that university well. I yeah. Hope. And, uh, and not that I, I, I'm advocating for universities over trade uh, schools and tra- education. If I were, I would probably go more toward the trade just because of the, the way the, the world and the, the market practicality, if nothing else. Right, exactly. But, but it's good to hear that, that at least one educator is, is understanding or at least showing an understanding of the, the market of, of, of universities and colleges. Well, one of the things you, you were talking about earlier is um, when you were talking about the anecdote of the welder um, where, you know, she came out with not having any debt and, and how like ludicrous some of these levels of debt are that, you know, students coming out of the universities have um, and how little that correlates to the quality of the education. And certainly the increase in that debt has almost no correlation to an increase in quality of education coming from those very same institutions. Um, and that's a sign of a system that is, well, one, most of that cost is due to, or to actually support an increase in administration Mm -hmm. to what end though. Right. Because the there's actually I think there's some studies on this and I, I'm 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 quoting off of my top of my head and I don't recall these studies so I, you know take take it that maybe I'm making this up but I, I have definitely heard of these studies um, where the rate of growth of administration for universities 
generally on average is outstripping the pace of growth of students. And well, I mean, what's causing that, you know, we, we need to at some point take a look at, and I think some people have, but just for the sake of this conversation, I'll just say we need to take a look at that and figure out why that's the case. And why does, do these institutions think that they need so many more administrators? I've definitely got my thoughts on it. And I, I, I know why, where some of that's coming from, but I don't know if it explains everything. Maybe we can have a separate conversation at another time uh, about that more particularly, but that's a problem. And I, and I think it's good that this, um, you say he's the new president of this university. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it's very good that he's he's speaking uh, in those terms because until uh, it's like any system, if a system has problems with it, until the uh, uh, somebody or some constituent of that system correctly identifies and begins to address those problems, they will become fatal. It doesn't matter how uh, innocuous they may seem. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, cancer is innocuous at first, effectively. Right. And only after a while does it become a real, real problem. And um, whenever an, an, an organization or, or a system is operating, uh, is is creating incentives for changes in operation that do not align with things like its goals, its stated mission statements, like especially businesses, right? The, mm-hmm. To the extent that oper- any operation does not drive the business toward its mission statement, its mission's goals, that's the degree to which those processes and those things are detrimental to that business's long-term or organization, you say more generally, as long-term existence, and people don't understand that. It's like you can't just mess around with stuff. Like you shouldn't just mess around with stuff. Now, there's time and place for trying new things, but you have to be very careful about how you do it and 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 understand what you're looking at of whether this adds to it or not. The thing is that there's a lot of societal pressures, I think, on universities. I think there's a lot of external uh, uh, non-organic kinds of pressures. Well, of course, yeah. Um but, but I mean, even beyond that, right, reputational sort of things, uh, there's a lot of stuff like that, I think, that um, they're responding to those incentives in a sometimes okay way. Sometimes it seems nonsensical way. I'm speaking extremely broadly and generally here, so mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll stop. But that's that's my thought is that I, that's, in, that's enheartening. The more that, uh, you know, let's just scope it to universities, university presidents and, and leadership can come to those kinds of perspectives that they need to realize what is going to uh, – the, the first priority needs to be what's going to increase the quality of their product for their consumers. Mm-hmm. Right. And the consumers are the students and the product is the education. And if it's not going to increasing the level or quality of the education or reducing the cost to the the consumer for the same level or better, then it's probably not something worth doing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think what you're talking about, the the adhering to the mission of the organization, um, I think sometimes uh, I believe that uh, current post-secondary education, you know, universities and colleges, um, have lost sight of what their mission is. Oh yeah. They've got this lofty saying that's on some plaque somewhere and up front, you know, and it, <laughs> right. it's what, it's what gets donors to give big money and all yeah. that. But, but, uh, in, in re- but that's not, I don't always b- believe that that's a true, uh, a representation of what their real mission is. I, I think 
they have for, a lot of them have probably forgotten what you just said that that it's it's a it's a high quality education preparing students for uh, a, a productive uh, uh, career of sorts or opportunities to to uh, educate so that they can go and and influence and innovate and do things in the world and I think in part of that what I think has happened is is they get wrapped up in uh, the universities get wrapped up in themselves. Yes. Right. The, their, their goal is to better is the betterment of themselves. Make the university bigger, make the university a, a bigger reputation, you know, get, get in this list of, of rankings and scores. And obviously we know that happens in athletics, but I'm talking about even just in, in, in the academic side of it, Sure, you know, that, that they, they want to be a top tier university. They want to be, you know, well, I mean, de- definitely, uh, uh, sorry to come back to, uh, you definitely don't want to, uh, diminish the point about the athletics too, because it's the same organism, right? It's the same ecosystem. It is. Right. And, but I mean, that in and of itself is, is, is a, um, worthy of its own discussion dispro- for sure. It is. <laughs> it's, it's a disproportional factor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So depending on the, and, org- the the university, right? So, some it's not. Yes, that's right. That's right. So you're you're right. But I mean, we're, I'm talking. You know, the 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 prestigious typical, universities. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the the what I would call the mainstream, not the not the uh, most prestigious, not the uh, although there even are exceptions to that, as I, as I sit here and I think on one. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, the, the top tier universities, the universities. If you know, if someone said, "What are the top five universities?" You know, ninety percent of the people would probably name four. The, uh, the same, you know, Ivy Leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The tip I wanted to avoid that because Stanford is certainly not Ivy League, but I think they would be one of the ones I'd put yeah. in the top four, top five. But I mean, you know, that you that's exactly where most people's minds would immediately go. Right. And I don't know if it's. I'm not saying it's deserved. I'm just saying that's where a lot of people's minds would go. Um, but, uh, you know, but I, I think that they, they get wrapped up in, um, that part of, of, of the university, the, the reputation and the credentials and the, the and, and I know there's good reasons why those things matter, uh, but they, uh, it all feeds on itself, right? Yeah. Those credentials don't necessarily mean doodly on the quality of the education that someone's getting. Right. It, it's it, like an it advertising thing. Right. So I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I don't, I don't want to interrupt you if you're trying to make a, a bigger point. Um, well, that was, I just uh, think that the, the whole mission thing, they, they, they need to take a step back and revisit what their mission really is and then judge everything else that they do in, in light of that. The, 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 the real thing here, as with all, uh, systemic problems, uh, I, well, as with almost all systemic problems, perhaps all systemic problems, uh, it, it is just a matter of poor incentives because the incentives that exist aren't, aren't just the ones that you talked about, the whole uh, things that can appear to be like trying to create a better um, advertisement for the university for new students, right? Which you can mm-hmm. construe it as that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to construe it that way. But um, whenever an, it's whenever like a business, let's just say universities are businesses, but let's just take it outside of the university realm, say some other kind of business that's like creating things like, you know, just building widgets or whatever. Whenever that business gets taken over by advertising and does more advertising than it does creating widgets, that's where there's a big problem. There's a real big problem when that happens, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not an advertising firm. It's a widget creating firm. It's the same thing here with the university when it, they uh, focus more on trying to do things that make them look good, like you're saying in the public eye, increase their reputation, et cetera, increase the likelihood that students want to come to the university. That is uh, 
I think getting very close, if not having overtaken the uh, operational aspect of them actually educating the students. And the other thing is there's this kind of like inbred uh, uh, negative incentive where, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, the purpose of universities is to educate uh, uh, students to get out into the world and to use that education in a way that, you know, benefits society. But a lot of education is not focused on that. It's focused on creating additional academics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this is certainly true even in, uh, you know, uh, STEM fields, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, from which I came, um, where, and, and that's and this uh, that's actually the track that I was originally on or, or was planning to be on was to go into academia as a a mathematics professor at some point. That was really what I thought I was going to be doing. Um, And so you have these incentives where the people who have these positions in academia, the professors, uh, whether it be a tenured professor, uh, and tenure is a a big problem in and of itself, and maybe we can talk about that too, but whether it's a tenured professor, a non-tenured professor, even an associate professor, or uh, uh, just an instructor even, they all have the incentive to keep the system going, right? Because that's their livelihood. Not not mm-hmm. only does one is it their livelihood, it's also what they like to do, right? It's, like, it's the things that they're interested in for the most part, and especially if they're if they're good at what they're doing. Um, and so they, uh, the whole point of that this kind of university system is to to have the this this dual good outcome which is the one is and the bigger of the two as far as volume is to have these students that come out educated, ready to go into the workforce uh, with a special education, specialty education, being able to do something in a very special way, whether that's being a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, uh, whether that's even in uh, something like economics and, and understanding, you know, uh, uh, finances and stuff and, 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 and doing like financial planning or whether that's in e- even in something like philosophy or something a little softer, quote unquote, uh, or, or, you know, like English literature to understand how to communicate so that you can help people communicate, help communicate ideas, do that on behalf of other people or do it for yourself. If you have ideas that can help society, all of that's a, a good outcome from the student side. The other good is the, the creating this place where people who can be academics can just focus on the things that are moving society forward faster by research or whatever and, and be protected from having to be in the real world, so to speak, right? And having to, to deal with anything other than focus on that. Because generally in a, in a world where like you're just trying to get food and, and, and get shelter and, and live and not die, there ain't time for somebody to be over there doing some, you know, uh, uh, um, imaginary analysis, you know, complex analysis or something like that in, in mathematics, for example. So, um, the reality is it, we benefit as a society from having those academics usually when they're, when they're focused on things, research that is, uh, um, you know, usable outputs right or or potentially usable outputs um the thing is i think we've grown a lot of fields now in academia and i don't want to talk about this directly and what those are that have created outputs that not only are not good for society they're negative for society and uh many of them even if they're not negative for society they're just like nothing they're like complete nothing so like the output is nothing so they're putting energy in and nothing coming out so that's a a a highly inefficient engine in in Mm -hmm. (laughs) engineering terms or physics terms um 
And that's a problem. And, and that's where all that money is going is this highly inefficient engine, whether it be in some of this research and fields that are just basically non-count or even research and fields that aren't non-count where the research itself is either just like uh, but banal or, or irre- irrelevant, uh, which there's some of that too, or if it's into this kind of like administrative state of the university itself, where it's like, why does this keep growing? And so what's happening is that it's, it's kind of a cancer in that sense is that these things that aren't, are useless. They're like cancerous cells keep growing and growing inside of the university. And it, it's making it, harder to deal with because it costs more to make all that happen well you're not getting a better education so you're paying more for less and so then it's bad business perspective and so then to your point they find themselves having to actually feel i think and and they will feel like there's more and more in the near future having to compete with other options aside from just university not just other universities but trade schools not going to school at all and just learning what you need on the internet like for example uh, in uh computer science i I don't want to say computer science in software development you can learn everything you need to know and never have to step foot in a classroom and you could do that all while you're in high school and you could be as soon as you graduate or even before you graduate having a real serious software development job depending on the organization most organizations are becoming more and more flexible about that kind of a thing um and and you don't need to spend the money spend the time and and the money's bad but the time's almost worse right because those mm-hmm. could be some of the most uh, energetic productive years of your life that you're send, uh, sending uh, these kids into school to just kind of twiddle their thumbs you, you can make more money you can't make more time Right. So, so yeah, that, that's, that, that is definitely spent time is, is much more valuable than, than spent money. You made a statement uh, a, a few minutes ago or a minute or two ago that I wanted to kind of bring back and raise up as a question, or you said something that led me to, to this question, because I think this is kind of a fundamental thing uh, that uh, I think causes me to have a not positive perspective of colleges, universities, right now as as much as I used to. Yeah. And, and you said that the universities, they're potentially doing all this stuff to increase, increase their reputation to attract students. I wonder if they really are trying to attract students. Uh, Cause I, I question whether they are, cause mm. think about it. That's, that's the students are really not a key cog in what I think the universities, they're, they're an important purpose for being, but I think sometimes that appears to be, forgotten or overlooked um i think it becomes a a necessary um step or or feature to to do what they really want to do and i think this is the universities you know the the research because i mean you know you've heard all the stories about you know professors they can't get tenure until they've had some published research and all this Mm -hmm. other or you know, they've, they've published or perish. these grants. Yeah, right. And and all these kinds of things. So that to me, that, that doesn't sound like that's attracting students because what this, what articles, scientific or, or research articles, this professor wrote or, or didn't write, uh, to me, it really is, into, you know, is not really, uh, not really relevant to whether or not I'm getting a good education. Now, it may say this right. guy has credentials or a gal has credentials, you know, has some experience and that may be important to, to differentiate between this and some other person, but not as a, not as a mission of the university. 
Now, now I got it. I, I oversimplified, oversimplified research, and I got there's there's really good reasons why academic research, you know, to your point, may be an inefficient machine because it may only find you know false outcomes, right? Well, this doesn't work. Well, th- that can be used later and built upon. Or oh, sure. this outcome, I, we got this result. This is not what we expected, but it's a it's a result. I, we don't know what it means, but then the, then the next group that comes along can take that and build on it, right? And right. Builds on. So the, I think there's there's that aspect of of the, what the larger universities do that that does have merit, as long as it's taken in context and they remember. Uh, what you what you alluded to that the, the the their purpose is education, and everything should be you know funneling back down toward down funneling up toward education, whatever direction you want. I don't mean <clears> to <throat> downplay it, but you know it it needs to be funneled toward the education, the, the quality of the education, the depth of the education, the the uh, activity of the education. Because I think you know I'm a firm believer that education should be uh, active and activity, not just. You know, you know, books and 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 papers and and pages and writing and keyboards. Now they didn't have yeah. those when I was in school. <laughs> and one one of the things, and I will use my own anecdotal experience to kind of highlight something that um, I think indicates a key difference between, at least from my perspective, a an academic, a professor doing what they should be doing in that kind of an ecosystem versus ones doing or not doing what they should be doing in that kind of an ecosystem. I'll tell a tale of two professors. Um, so I had a professor, this is both in the math department at the uh, university that I went to. Um, so this was while I was a math uh, major. Um, one of these two uh, uh I, well, I, I guess this is a disclaimer. I don't know that it matters. One of these two actually wrote a recommendation letter for me for grad school. Um, and I uh, was very happy that he did because I was, he's a, uh, a character. So I wasn't sure how he would react to me even asking. Um, uh, so I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story of uh, the, the, the quote unquote wrong one first. And then I'll tell you the story of the good one. Obviously the good one's the one who wrote me the recommendation, uh, but he's not good. Cause he wrote me there. That was literally the last interaction I ever had with him was asking for that and getting that from him. Um, uh, which is so sad. Which I, 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 anyway, it's a different story for a different time. Um, so the, the bad interaction or bad professor, um, I, I his class actually wasn't that bad. I learned everything I needed. To, so th- this class with, with the bad or the wrong one, whatever, uh, was um, differential equations. So differential equations uh, for anybody who has had any math experience, um, but may have not gotten to that point, um, is the class you take after calculus series. So you have calculus one, which is like single variable differential calculus. Then you have uh, calculus two, which is mainly a uh, single variable uh, integral calculus, uh, which is much crazier than differential calculus because in integral calculus, you have to have a lot of different strategies for how you do integration for extremely non-regular weird functions. Um, you also, at the end of calculus two, do things like uh, infinite series, like Taylor series, Lauren, McLaurin series, um, uh, or McLaurin, Lauren, I don't know. Anyway, uh, Taylor series is the only one I ever used like in mechanics and physics. Um, and then calculus three is multivariable calculus. So it's like, uh, you know, three dimensional basically calculus. Um, and then you do weird stuff with that. And then that, to me, the most beneficial thing, 
personally, in my experience, from calculus three was Fourier transforms. Anyway, after those three, you take differential equations, which is basically uh, using systems uh, of equations to solve other equations it's anyway i'm not going to go into the details of it because i don't quite frankly don't remember a whole lot from it because i learned just what i needed for that class to move on uh and did not get a lot of theory from this professor uh, which is highlighting the problem was he was very focused on his research um and he's obviously a brilliant man he's very um (laughs) strange kind of individual um but uh, uh he he was he was definitely one of those people where like, if you said something that bothered him, he'd get mad at you real quick. Um, but if, if, uh, uh, if you said something that bothered him, but he found out he was wrong, he would very quickly just be like, Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry about that. So he good in that sense. But like all he ever cared about was like his research. Like he would stop uh lecture sometimes to go take a phone. Cause like we, we had the class right across the hall from his office and he would hear his phone ring. He would stop lecture and go answer the phone. It's like that. That's the kind of person this was. So like that's, I, and I'm not saying that that's uh, an archetype or stereotype of uh, any kind of pr- particular professor but I'm sure that there's more than just him that are like that out there in the university systems. Um, and so uh, I, I learned, like I said, just what I needed to, and that was pretty much it for that class. Uh, now, the other professor, uh, I actually had this other professor for three different classes, definitely two, but I think maybe three classes. Uh, no, definitely three, definitely three. Cause I had calculus two with him, which was my first, uh, brush up against him. And he's just like the most zany character, just like off the wall, weird, like kind of guy. And everybody thought he was just like nuts. And it's like, he's not nuts. If you like listen to what he's saying, he's, he's like one of these kind of characters that would kind of like talk to himself a lot. And then like, he would say something, but if you listen to like everything he's saying, it's like, it's like a, this real clear pattern of where his brain's going. And it's very understandable. Um, and he would get tickled at everything. Uh, one of the classes I had with him was, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a stupid name, like proofs. It's it, the, everyone called it the proofs course, but it's like mathematical something and proofs. Um, and so basically it, this was like the, the class, I mean, you do proofs in like geometry in high school and stuff, mm-hmm. but this is the class that's like, seriously, if you're going to be a mathematician, this is how you really have to write papers and do, pr- do the actual proofs part of it. And, and I mean, it's like legit, like that's, that's the class that when you take that, if you can't do well in that, you, you stop being a math major. Like there was like, I think 20 people in that class with me and, uh, basically around the same uh, year level in university as me, I can only remember two of them out of that whole class that I ever saw in any other future math classes. Mm. So it's that it's, it's the, the great differentiator, but like he would, he would have all these anecdotes and like to most people, they would just think he's just so dumb, but like it's part of his character and like he would really be involved in it, but he had all this like crazy research he would do too. Like in like, uh, I don't think he did number theory, but like he did like some really weird out there sort of research but like it was clear that he cared about the teaching aspect of it and he cared about it. and and uh, yeah as zany and nuts as he was like he was happy to be doing it mm-hmm. the other teacher hated having to step foot in that classroom oh, it's what he had to do to be able to do his research exactly right and i i don't even know what he was researching but it's just he was just brash is the way that i would put it the other guy was playful and that yeah. was so good and i i uh Dr. Brooks was the, was the, the quote unquote good one. And I just, I, I miss him so much. I wish I could have had him for every math class that I took it was so good. And he was just, just like kind of a weird character It's like, you don't meet people like that much at all. And it's like, they stick in your mind. Well, it's, it's, it sounds like he was, he really 
was uh, his motivation, his motives and motivation were the education. He was right. so least, happy. He was so tickled by the concepts that he was so happy he got to share it with people. And it was so yeah. clear when he did it, to me at least, because like he and I had the same kind of humor. And I think that's why I clicked with him so much. But it's just yeah. it's just funny, like how he was like he would just make the funniest jokes about just the random math stuff. I mean, so, and like math jokes, like you'd have to know math stuff to get the jokes. Right, or, and I think right. a lot of people didn't catch all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Inside jokes. So, you, yeah, you have to, have to ask you. You're, you're, you're right. Um, and so that all of this makes me uh, kind of loop back to one of the, the origins of this discussion, this conversation having to do with trade schools and, you know, the, the how and, and, and I'll, I'll say it. I, I think universities have lost their way. Oh, to yeah. A great extent. Yeah. And, and, and I'm not even talking about, you know, the, the political and all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about the mission, the, mm-hmm. their, their goals, what they're supposed to do. I think they've lost their way. And, and it's understandable, right? Because uh, we always know that you follow the money and that will, that will tell you where people's decisions and where people's hearts typically, you know, tend to go. And, and I think universities are, are guilty of that, right? Cause you, all you have to do is look at the, the, the budgets of some of these universities and, and, and you can tell that, and that's the athletics is where athletics, you know, kind of drives the, the train, so right, to speak in right. a lot of respects. But I think the, the whole thing about competing for students, you know, I, I don't, truly believe that that's what the the universities have been doing over the last 20 years or more, 25 years or so. I think it's been more a matter of competing for the money and they have to go get the students to to help underwrite some portion of that. They forgot that they have to compete for the students because they did. It was one of those things where everybody was told you got to go to college. And so everybody was going to go. So they didn't, they didn't forget they had to compete. They just ignored it because they thought that the yeah. rules had changed. Yeah. But they thought that, that you know, university education, a college education was an absolute minimum. Like, you know, a long time ago, we declared that a high school uh, diploma well before your time, yeah. uh, even before my time, to a certain extent, it was declared that, you know, a high school education was, was absolutely essential because the, the generation before me, many people, my mother was one of nine children and she, and she was the seventh and she was the first one to graduate from high school out of the, out of the nine. And then, uh, of the other two, only, only two out of the nine graduated from high school, but they were all productive, you know, and you sure. know, people and, and members of society, but the education just wasn't what that wasn't that important. What was more important was helping the family, especially in and, and my mother, when she was growing up, they farmed a lot. A lot of the you know, the people, so kids helping farm cotton and and you know things of that sort was was part of how the family survived. Um, and that's not the way it's been anymore. So education became the 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 path, or at least perceived path to. In, in many cases, a high school education was to to the job with the company, a factory or something like that, yeah. and then you worked there for you know for thirty years, and then you got a gold watch and retired, mm-hmm. and you got a pension for the rest of your life, and and we all know the last twenty five years how that's changed, right. and uh, it's rare. I mean, I, I worked for a, one company for twenty five years, and and people thought I was a, a, a weirdo, right? Because I mean, it's just so few people who do that these days, and and I was a weirdo, but I mean that's a different different discussion point. Um, it, it wasn't why I stayed there. I stayed there because it was the right thing for me and my family to do. And I don't regret a, a moment of it. Um, uh, but I think what we're going to see, uh, and I, I almost hope that we see this is that the trade schools are going to rise up. Um, uh, and when I say that, it may sound like some geopolitical kind of thing, that <laughs> happened, or, you know, <laughs> but, but I think tradesmen rise. Is, 
<laughs> right. I think the trades, uh, they're they're going to they're going to get uh, a, uh, an improvement, a facelift, so to speak, yeah. in their reputation. They already are, quite honestly. And um, you know the the big uh, Ford announcement, uh, their electric vehicle you know, in West Tennessee, and then up in, in, in Central Kentucky, that Ford has uh, announced they're making about eleven or twelve billion dollar investment for uh, you know manufacturing you know, batteries and and uh, for electric vehicles and their trucks in West Tennessee. They're going to be building all the the, the Ford F one fifties is what the, the word is. But part of that agreement is the state of Tennessee is building a, uh, a Votex school on that uh, megasite area, right? Mm. So they're building a, a, a school, a trade school, uh, directly intend, intended to train uh, technicians. You couldn't you know, get to work where you went to school. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that's, it's, you know, I don't know how the, how the funding and tuition all that'll work, but I, but I guarantee it'll be easy. I mean, you know, because, you know, Ford's got big money. But my point is, is we're going to see more of that happening. And yeah. I think that the same thing happened, I think, up in Kentucky. Kentucky is doing the same thing on, on their side. Because, number one, they don't have the skills. So, they, so they, 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 when they're looking for these mega investments, they're looking for locations, number one, for the, the has the real estate. Sure. Number two, the, the access. And, and if anyone knows anything about the West Tennessee area, you know it's a pretty centrally located you know, hub from a distribution perspective. In fact, it has the nickname, the distribution capital of the country. Also, the hometown of FedEx, so that that certainly doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. It's their primary hub, um, and so all of that is going to work to to that. It won't it won't eliminate the need for universities and colleges, but I think it will. It will, we will see universities and, and colleges go out of go out of business. I think we'll see some of them have to shut down because sure. they won't have I mean, enough on the on the fringe. If they're not if they're not staying true to their mission, and if they're you know the the comp, and they're competing on the wrong fronts. Some of them are going to fail. Well, and, uh, and there's certainly going to be pressure. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's fine. I just say some of them are going to fail. And, and I think the face of education um, out of necessity will change, you know, over the next generation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think obviously that's going to put a lot of pressure on universities. Another metric we didn't really talk about. Um, and I think this is, a, uh, will speak to the likely success of the the vocational school on that site that you're talking about mm-hmm. is job placement rates because mm-hmm. job placement rates coming out of universities are pretty bad generally oh, speaking. yeah <laughs> so the, the uh, local the local votech the local votech here in, in in my neighborhood um has a, a placement rate of about 92 percent and that's awesome that's incredible like <laughs> that is phenomenally you know bananas you know a, a university quote unquote would kill for that kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And the, the local community college here has like a 20 to 30% placement rate. And, and the reality is that's the metric they should be looking at most because that's the only indicator they really can have that the education that they're providing to their students is useful in the real world. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But yeah. All right. Yeah, I, think I, think, I think we've uh, I think we've wrung this sponge pretty good today. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Um, we we were very careful not to be too accusatory, but I, but I do think that our educational system, the the post secondary, well, the the elementary and secondary education systems has many many warts, and that's 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 a uh, different conversation. A, another sure. deep topic that I'll, I'll get on a stump one day, and and then you know I'll, I'll probably. Uh, offend everybody I know because of my thoughts that I have about that. (laughs) Uh, 
But I will say this, and, and I'll say this about, about you know, elementary and, and secondary education as well as post-secondary. There's a lot of great people in those, in those places. Oh, sure. And, and their hearts are in the right place. And uh, I'm really talking about the outliers. And in the in universities, it's the mission. Right. And, and, and then the efficacy of their mission, because I think you hit the nail on the head. They're measuring the wrong things. Yeah. The things they're measuring are the things that they continue to permit them to continue measuring those things. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, you know, an outcome that, that is, uh, because if, if you look up, if you think about it, uh, and I'm, I don't mean to be chasing this, uh, uh rabbit or, or story or point here, but I want to make this one final point. Um, the students are transitory. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are there for uh, exploitation, uh, and, and it's a negative way to look at it. But they're they're being used, and and they move on, right? And once they move on, then that doesn't they don't care anymore. They're worried about the next batch that comes through. I see. Versus, there, there's no long term thing to hold them to account. Is is your point? Right. Right. Yeah. Whereas you know, whereas the 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 university, the administration, the faculty, the uh, those that continued with the university they're all about their own perpetuity yes you know, their, their yes. own continuity yep versus the efficacy of the, of the ones that, that are passing through which th that should be the most important thing the, the well, and that's 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 my, was my point about the the system's just wrong at that point yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely and it's, it's being propped up by something or another and, and you got to look at that and fix that and and, and my, my my point is my concerns and criticisms are with the system not with the people right because i think the people are are acting and, and reacting and responding in the way they think is best whether i agree with it or not is, is immaterial but i mean there, there's a lot of people that have their hearts in the right place yeah I mean, i'm sure that there are outliers to that even though that are Absolutely. trying to be manipulative and and sure. machiavellian in that sense mm -hmm. yeah, um, but yeah i i agree. think you're right like um I, I going back. This is the last thing I'll say. Going back to my bad or wrong professor example, um, it was very clear he cared about his research and he he cared about doing moving things forward in some manner or another. But right. he has his perspective warped about what's important where he is. Mm -hmm. He's not like independently funded or something. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. The, he's he's forgetting. That, that those things have to be symbiotic and work together right and uh versus you know parasitic which is kind of a harsh way to put it but but potentially can be can be seen and, and perceived that way right right well all right it's a it's been a minute since we've had a conversation like this <laughs> it and, sure has and, uh, i think i think as always what it does is it, it prompts other, other thoughts and points and topics that we can can uh chew on and and cogitate and and uh, uh all those other kinds of eight words that, that go along and, and prognosticate. Well, I don't know if we'll prognosticate anything, but I guess we, I just did prognosticated that the educational system is going to yeah. be influenced and changed over the next generation. So uh, we'll see. I may not be around for the next generation, but, but you, uh, you, uh, you, you see and see if, see if it holds up, uh, in, in that regard. So I sure will try. All right. I know uh, Jordan's always, it was fun. Very good. good to you. Appreciate the conversation, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya.